in John chapter 14. I'm just going to read the first part here as a review to get us to Philip, and then we'll slow down. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe faith in God, faith also in me. In my Father's house there are many dwelling places, rooms, mansions. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go and prepare a place for you? I've got to put up the drapes and put down the carpet and put the furniture in the room. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself so that where I am, there you may be also. Now, keep that in mind because a little later on, we're going to come back to that whole idea of this, of Jesus going away to prepare a place and then coming back to take them up again or to take them there again. And we're going to see that actually that whole idea is, um, even within one chapter, is going to become highly spiritualized. It's already heavily spiritualized, but it's even more so. It's going to be taken out of this literal taking up business. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself so that where I am there you may be also. That gets used to proclaim a rapture. Well, we'll look at that in a moment. And you know the way to the place where I am going. That's interesting. You know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? We don't know where you're going. How can we get there? Doubting Thomas. Yeah, very well, very much in character. <laughs> Jesus said to him, now remember, the disciples, and here it's especially true, the disciples are sort of the empty sandals from which we ask our questions of Jesus. They are our stand-ins in the gospel. Since we can't be there, they're there to ask our questions for us. That's an, this is an example of it. After Jesus has said that he's going away and you know where I'm going, the automatic response or question is, well, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through, by means of, because of me. If you, and we, we spend a lot of time on that. If you know me, if you know me, and you do, you will know my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Ooh. And seen him? Seen the Father? Uh-huh. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father and we will be satisfied. Philip, did you just hear what he just said? He just said, you have known him. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Past tense perfect here. And Philip must have been half asleep or his brain may have been in gear and he didn't hear quite what he expected to hear, so he decided to ask for clarification. However you want to understand it, it's kind of difficult to get your brain around. But Philip asks a very logical question, but only if... He realized he just kind of didn't quite get it. He didn't quite get it. Lord, show us the Father, and we will be satisfied. And Jesus said to him, Have I been with you all this time, Philip, and you still do not know me? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. Wow. Had a group of Sadducees and Pharisees hanging around. They would have been grabbing him rocks right then and there. <laughs> 
How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not faith that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Faith me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. But if you do not, then faith me because of the works themselves, the, 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 the signs themselves. If you're not going to have faith in me because of what I say, have faith in me because of my signs, of what I do. Exercise your faith in me because of what I've said. But if you can't do that, then exercise your faith in me because of what I have done and what I do. Now, is, what's the language here? Because isn't this kind of a new turn of phrase, I am in the Father and the Father no. is in me? This hasn't yeah, this whole concept of, of the Father being in a person is extraordinarily blasphemous. <laughs> it, it's, it, you can't the Father that. is separate and distant. Yeah. And to say that the Father is in Jesus and Jesus is in the Father is, is to proclaim Jesus. It, has, it is to have Jesus actualizing the statement, I am. Yeah. <laughs> it's exactly what it is. He's just fleshing out what it means to be the I am. When he says that repeatedly, I am, I am, I am, that's what he means. But it, it seems to me it's, it's a slightly less clear declaration than the than an I am statement which is which is adopting there's wiggle room name. yeah you know, there's wiggle room yeah. in me might you might interpret that therefore not me but in me right whereas yeah, just to state I am is to state it period um, but maybe it still nevertheless describes kind of how he thinks it functions well, it just seems to me that this may come from yet another one of those Layers it's a secondary layer. This is a secondary layer. Developing. The I am is an, is, a, is, a, is an initial layer. This is a secondary layer. At least that seems more likely. Look at what he says next. Very truly I tell you, the one who bathes in me will also do the works that I do, the signs that I do, the miracles that I do, and in fact will do greater signs than these. Because I am going to the Father. <laughs> Because I am going to the Father, who's already in me, and when you see me, you have seen the Father. Because I'm going to him, you're going to do the same kinds of works as me, and indeed even greater ones. Wow! Woohoo! That's cool. Thank you, Jesus. I will do I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If in my name you ask me for anything, I will do it. And right there, you get a whole lot of people taking this as sort of like magic weights and phrases. Abracadabra. I want a million dollars. In Jesus' name, I want a million dollars. Zaps. And there it is. You know, if I had a magic wand and I were Harry Potter, Osseo million dollars, and it would come to me, kind of bit. That's the basic idea that some people have here. That must be what he means. No, it isn't. Look at the qualification, and it's found both in verse 13 and in verse 14. 
He doesn't say, as it is sometimes quoted, if you ask me for anything, I will do it. He says, if in my name you ask me for anything, I will do it. What does that distinction mean? Does it mean anything? Well, to the people who want the million dollars, it doesn't mean anything. <laughs> they want that million dollars. <laughs> they don't care. I, there was a cartoon once and that says uh, every day this guy prayed to, to win the lottery. And after several days, God says to him, meet me halfway, buy a ticket. Buy a ticket. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Do something. Put yourself into action to enable what you're asking for. Be Jesus is what he's saying. Do what I would. You know, you may do anything. In, in my, my name. name. Do it like me. To speak in the think of let, let's put this into the cultural context. To speak in the name of of a higher authority, you are taking upon that authority within yourself. To speak in the in the name of the emperor, I say, and if you are authorized to use the emperor's name, what you say, it's as if the emperor is saying it. That's what a procurator or a governor would do. Would speak in the name of the emperor when a, when an ambassador comes and speaks in the name of the person who sent, it's as if that person who sent them is there. It's exercising the authority thereof. That was, that was a basic understanding. It actually is a Jewish understanding as well, not just a Greek-Roman understanding. Uh, the idea that if you knew the name of someone, you had a degree of authority or power over them. Hence the scene where Jacob is wrestling with the angel slash God and won't let him go until he gives him his name. And of course he gets his hip thrown out of joint yeah. so he can get so he can get free. And and he wants this name so he can have a name to name this God by and therefore use this God and have power over this being with whom he is struggling. And that's actually how he gets his uh, how he gets the name Israel. Man with influence over God quite literally, or man with, who has power with God. Instead of being heel catcher, Jacob, he becomes man who has influence with God. It's a very powerful, power, very powerful concept. So if you know the name of something, you have authority over it, or at least you have its authority. So you might translate verse 14 this way. If you ask, any, ask for me, if you ask me for anything that is within my will, I will do it. If you ask me for anything that is within my desire for you, I will do it. Isn't that kind of like asking, if, if you ask me for something that I already have in mind for you, then I will do it for you. Yeah. That's in accord with my will for right. you. So I think the context is, is starts wow. in 12, you know, mm -hmm. you're doing my works, so while you're doing my works, if you act in my name, if you call on me, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to help, you know. It, it, it's, it's, that's entirely correct. If you are doing what I do, if you are representing me in this world, if you are doing the signs and wonders that I have done, if, since I have gone away, if you are doing these things and you will do them and even do greater things because I've gone to the Father, in that context, if you ask me for anything when you are doing these works, then I will do them, then I will give it for you because you are doing it in accord with my will, in accord with my way of being. 
not give me a million dollars in Jesus' name, amen. No. Of course, the question then becomes, you know, people who, you know, pray for healing. Well, what, how do you understand when, he, if we know that healing is God's will always, and it is, then how do you comprehend and understand it when you don't get that healing? Well, there are multiple kinds of healing. Being made whole, being made one with God again. And that can come even if you don't have a physical curing. So you can, you can approach the question from multiple different angles. The issue, the, the in my name language is the qualifier here. Yeah. It has to be in accordance with the authority of his name, with his will, with his function, with his works, with his signs. And that goes back to all the early writings, or did something? No, there's that's no not question. There's no question that this is all a coherent text at this point. The earliest copies of John we have have that. There is some addition, like me, but but it, that's just interpretive. Um, verse fifteen: If you love me, and you do, I, I want to add the the assumption here. This is a rhetorical question. Um, if you love me and you do, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate. The Greek word is paraclete. Not parakeet, paraclete. <laughs> and it means advocate, it means helper, it means guide, it means intercessor. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever. This is the spirit of truth. Now watch the tenses. Whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him because he abides with you and he will be in you. Did you catch the verb tenses there? Yeah, future tense there. After... Present tense. Mm-hmm. Twice. You, let's, let's pick it up here at the very last section of the verse. You know him, present tense, because he abides, present tense, with you, among you, in your presence. And he will be, future tense, in. That's interesting. Possibly another example of among, but actually in is the literal Greek, in you. The distinction here is one that we heard about earlier when it said that the Holy Spirit wasn't yet with them. Remember that? Yeah. And that problem because, well, then how do you understand Genesis chapter 1? How do you stand all the prophets who, who got up and spoke and the Holy Spirit comes upon them and they speak for God and then the Holy Spirit would depart from them later on? And the understanding is there's a difference between when the Holy Spirit is sent, and this reference here to it being sent, to be in them, as opposed to simply being with them. The Holy Spirit is with them now, but not in them. He's going to send the Holy Spirit to be in them. Interestingly, he and says- it's, And it's a collective, it's a group yeah, he's talking to. The total, not just individually, but the whole group. Notice, he says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever. This is the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him or knows him. Well, of course it doesn't see him or know him. It hasn't been sent yet, or has it? 
I'm sending in a different way, in other words. The Holy Spirit has come into this world plenty of times in the past. Yeah, you just didn't get it, so. It doesn't, he doesn't hang around. This is a biggie, yeah. Now he will. It's going to get said again in a moment. I will not leave you orphaned. I am coming to you. In a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me because I live. You also will live. Oh, okay. That's interesting. In a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. I, I won't be here. I'm going away. You're not going to be orphaned. You will see me even though the world doesn't see me. Huh. That's interesting. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Now, I don't know about you, but I remember my algebra and my geometry. <laughs> if A equal B and B equal C, then A equals C. Is that right? Well, here we got a good example of that. On that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Which essentially means that we have the Father in us when he is in us. They who, they who have my commandments and keep them, <laughs> which is an interesting distinction, they who have my <laughs> commandments and keep them, and we'll find out about, well, we've already heard what his new commandment is, and we're going to hear it again in chapter 15. They who have my commandments and keep them are those who love me. And those who love me will be loved by my Father, and I will love them. So this being in and with is also articulated now in terms of loving. And I will love them and reveal myself to them. Let's just stop right there. Don't look in verse 22. Now, so here we have this interesting statement. I'm going away. I'm not going to leave you orphan. He said it already. I'm going to send you another advocate. Uh, this advocate will be with you. It's the Holy Spirit of truth, and, and he will be in you. And, and then I'm going to go away, and the world will not be able to see me, but you will be able to see me. Hmm, that's interesting. Um, this idea that Jesus' presence will continue even though it's not corporeal. People, won't be, people who are not believers will not be able to see him, but people who are believers will be able to see him. Hmm, okay. And I will be in them and they will be in me and the Father is in me and then we, I love them and they will, if they obey my commandments, they, uh, they, the Father will love them. It it's becomes kind of like a knit grouping, a close-knit, almost family. Judas, not Iscariot. <laughs> Judas, not Iscariot. That's interesting. Judas, not Iscariot. Who the heck is this? Have we seen Judas, not Iscariot before here? No. Yep, he just pops up out of nowhere. Judas, not Iscariot. The original may have simply been Judas. I'm reading from Raymond E. Brown, The Gospel According to John. This is the second volume in the two-volume set of the Anchor Bible Commentary series. The original may have had Judas, simply Judas. 
and the parentheses, as well as the versional variants, may be scribal attempts to clarify the meaning. The departure of Judas Iscariot in 1330, that's John 13, verse 30, would have indicated a scribe to a scribe that this Judas was not Iscariot. Well, yeah. The English form of this man's name is sometimes given as Jude, precisely to distinguish its bearer from Iscariot. But this distinction in the form of the name is not warranted by the Greek. Besides Iscariot, there were at least two other important men named Judas, or Judah, which is what the name means, who had contact with Jesus. The first was Judas, or Jude, the relative or brother of Jesus. See Mark chapter 6, verse 3, and Matthew chapter 13, verse 55. He was the brother of James of Jerusalem and is traditionally identified as the author of the epistle of Jude. Uh, Catholic tradition says that this was James's brother, the other son of Joseph uh, from an earlier marriage before Mary. Hence, James and Jude, two of the brothers of Jesus, are uh, not children of Mary, but, and therefore not strictly Jesus's brothers, but brothers by marriage. Um, that's a Catholic tradition dating to the second century and later. Uh, we don't really know. All we know is that Jude and James are both mentioned as brothers of Jesus. And that's one of the Jews, Judas's. Uh, I like what he's saying, but what's his reasoning about, since we know John doesn't give a lot of credence to chronology and being in time, why couldn't that be really Judas? It could be, but when you look at the question, it's kind of obvious that it's not. But we'll come there in a moment. The second Judas other than Judas Iscariot, was Judas, of, son of James, presumably the son of James, not the brother of James, as some translations have it. His name appears in two Lucan lists of the twelve, Luke 6.16 and Acts 1.13, but not in the Markan or the Matthian lists. We know nothing of this Judas, but in later hagiography, there was an attempt to identify him with the Thaddeus, whose name appears in the Markan and Matthian lists of the Twelve. See Mark 3.18 and Matthew 10.3. So, what do we have? It is believed by later church fathers that the Judas mentioned here, Judas not Iscariot, is the equivalent of Thaddeus from the Mark and Matthew Gospels. So the Judas of the Luke material and John is equal to Thaddeus from Matthew and Mark. All right? Just as Matthew and Levi are the same person, depending on which Gospel you're reading, and that's correct, isn't it? Matthew and Levi, depending on which Gospel you're reading, if you're reading Luke, it's Levi. If you're reading Matthew, it's Matthew. Depending on which gospel you're reading, it's the same person. Um, so also, Thaddeus and Judas, not Iscariot, <laughs> are the same person. If you're reading the Lucan material or the John material relative to the Matthew and Mark material. That's quite possible. Not necessarily has to be that. But it does make it clear and make it easy then to understand how this Judas could be part of 
the, uh, the, the 12 disciples. He's Thaddeus from the Matthian list. Hmm. All right. Who, who went by another name? Well, there were plenty. Well, he's, he may have had two names. He may have been Judas, Judas Thaddeus, Judah Thaddeus. He may have had two names. That's not uncommon. Um, Simon gets the nickname Peter, you know, Kepha, and they called him literally many places Simon Kepha in many, in many places. So having two names was not that uncommon. Levi, Matthew, not that uncommon. Um, but that's, the, that's one of the ways to understand this. So Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, verse 22, <clears throat> Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will reveal yourself to us and not to the world? That's a good question. That's a really good question. He just said, I'm going to reveal myself. You're going to know me. You're going to see me. You're going to realize it's me. But the world isn't going to see or know it's me. And Judas goes here, this not Iscariot, goes, how, 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 how is that going to be? This is, translation says why, which sounds more like why? why would you do that? Jesus answered him, those who love me will keep my word, and my Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Did you see that? Did you see he switched it here? Those, he, he compiled himself with the Father. Those who love me will keep my word and my Father will love them. He's already said that earlier, just a couple of verses up. My Father will love them. And we, Jesus and the Father, will come to them, those who love me and keep my word, and make our home with them. That's how you're going to be revealed to to the believers, but not to the non-believers. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word that you hear is not mine, but it is from the Father who sent me. So you're keeping the Father's word when you keep my word. If you don't keep my word, you're not keeping the Father's word, hence you won't see me, and you certainly won't see the Father. A little slap against the Jews who denied Jesus, by the way. It does sound like you're saying the same thing again. Well, it is. Do you think? It is. <laughs> in, in fact, in response to Thomas's question, Jesus repeats himself. In response to Philip's question, Jesus repeats himself. In response to um, uh, Judas, not Iscariot's question, Jesus repeats himself. <laughs> kind of getting tiresome, Jesus. <laughs> Verse 25, I have said... 24? Am I the only one that can't make head or tail out of 24? Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. Got that part. Yeah. And the word that you hear is not mine, but is from the Father who sent me. So the word that I speak... Say what? Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. Those words are not my words. They're the Father's words. And he's already said that about three so, times. Yes, he has. So if you're not keeping my words, you're not keeping the Father's words. But they are my words if they're words from the Father, aren't they? I mean, hasn't he said that time and time yeah. again, too? In other words, the, they are inextricably bound. You can't separate them. 
So just as the acts of, just as Jesus' signs and acts are the Father working through him, so also Jesus' words are the Father's words speaking through him. Yeah. <laughs> but, you want to cross eyed. I think what's bothering Peter and me too is that, you know, that's fine, but that's not what you're saying, Jesus. I mean, you know, we understand you're the instrument, Jesus, uh-huh. okay? Okay, you've told us that about four times, you know, Jesus. But then uh, the words you hear are not my own. Yeah, we heard them, and they're from your father, but you're saying them. That's what yeah, you're saying them, but they're not just Jesus is speaking them, and those words that Jesus is speaking are the Father's from, from words. The father. we're, we're wanting to take him literally. Uh-huh. And if you take, him, take that sense literally, it, doesn't, it does not make any sense. It doesn't uh, make sense to me. No, no. In verse 23, he does take some ownership. Sure he does. Yeah. Jesus, uh, those who love me will keep my word, and my Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. He's participating. He's not saying I'm just passive, and he's not saying I'm a puppet. He's saying I'm speaking. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And then he then says, and the word. You might translate it slightly differently. And the words that you have heard me speaking are not mine alone, That's exactly but come from the Father who yeah. sent me. Or just, me. I put the word just in there, not just mine. Not just mine, but they come from right. the Father who yeah, sent me. Yeah, that makes more sense. Now that might translate it a little better. It's not what it says, but that might translate <laughs> it a little better. Damn if we're not rewriting John now, yeah. Pete. <laughs> well, there's, you've got all these multiple layers of John. Why don't we have one in the 21st century? <laughs> sure. I have said these things to you while I am still with you. He's already been talking about this business. I'm going to go away. I'm going to go away. I'm not going to leave you orphan. I'm going to send the paraclete. You're going to have this comforter with you. You're going to have all of this is fine. I have said these things to you while I'm still with you. But the advocate, the paraclete, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything. Stop right there for a moment. That right there is very appealing to the Gnostics. Oh, yeah. This paraclete, this Holy Spirit, will teach you everything. In other words, there's stuff that I have not taught you that it's going to, he is going, she is going to teach you. And you're going to get taught this material. It's going to happen after I am gone. Notice he doesn't finish it there. But the advocate... The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and remind you of all that I have said to you. So it's not just new stuff. It's a reminder of everything that I have said. If you missed those four times I said it. Here we go again. My goodness, you are so dense, I've got to send the Holy Spirit (laughs) to continually remind you of what I said because you're not getting it. Verse 27, this is one of the passages that get read constantly in funerals. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. This is not a worldly understanding of peace. This is something beyond the world's peace. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not let them be afraid, which is a reference, of course, back to the very beginning of the chapter. So I'm going away. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Verse 28, you heard me say to you, I am going away, 
And I am coming to you. Well, if you've been listening, you've heard him say it about nine times. I'm going away and I am coming to you. If you loved me, and you do, you would rejoice that I am going to the Father, because the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you this before it occurs, so that when it does occur, you may believe. I will no longer talk much with you. For the ruler of this world is coming. He has no power over me, but I do the fa- do as the Father commanded me, so that when the world so that the world may know that I love the Father. Rise, let us be on our way. And we think whew, the dialogue's over with. Well, no. Because now we have part two of the dialogue that apparently occurs while they're on the way. Chapter 15, chapter 16, (laughs) chapter 17. And it's finally in chapter 18 when he goes out with the disciples across the Kidron Valley. You know, if Paul had known about this and read this and internalized this, he would know that Jesus wasn't coming on Monday. Hell, he couldn't die. You know how long it, it took, took him to get to time. Yeah. It took forever. He says, let's get up and go. I'm not going to say many more words to you. And then he does. He, then you've got chapter 15, chapter 16, and chapter 17 still to go. And it's all red. Yeah, almost <laughs> solid red. Yeah, it is. Now, this business about Jesus going away and then coming back to get us and take us with him. Now that's not necessarily a literal understanding, and you can see that where he talks about, I will be with you. Mm-hmm. The world will not see me, but you will see me and know me and experience me. You will do my works when I am gone. You will do the signs I do and even greater signs because I am gone. And this paraclete, this Holy Spirit, this advocate will come to make it possible for you to do all this. He will teach you what you do not know, and he will remind you of what I have taught you. That sounds like a lot of personification, though. I mean, if this were being read, and you said it was by the Egyptians, they might think somebody's coming back to do this, kind of this apparition, you know? And that's how the Gnostics took it. Yeah, it's one of the reasons why they like John's Gospel so much. It's the most spiritual of the Gospels. And it seems to say very clearly here that Jesus is going to be amongst them and they're going to know his presence and the the Holy Spirit, the paraclete, is going to teach them and give them this knowledge that they need. And and there will be, in a sense, a transformation because I I will be in you and the Father is in me and and there's love here binding us together. And this this stuff is, is very clearly saying to them, this is what's coming. But it's not just necessarily for over there. It's for right here. Now this idea that they will, they will see and know Jesus, but the world won't be able to see him. This idea took up a life, a powerful life within the church, and especially within the context of Holy Communion. So the idea that you know the real presence of Jesus. While the world just looks at the bread and wine and sees bread and wine, the Christian comes and receives the bread and the wine, and Christ Jesus is alive in them. Wow. You know, sorry, are you suggesting that, that what's described here is, is, is the return? Or? 
it, it, it reflects the return, continued real presence of Jesus amongst believers in this world. It's really never left. He has both left and not left. Right. Just as his return is both now and not yet, so also he has left and not left because he sends the other advocate, the Holy Spirit, who comes and essentially communicates this real presence of Jesus with and to them. And they will see him and know him, Jesus. They will see Jesus and know Jesus' presence, even though the world doesn't see him and know him. In a, they'll have a spiritual sight to see and know him. See, when I first read that, I thought he was talking about the crucifixion and then the resurrection. Most people do. But then are we saying that only believers saw Jesus as a resurrected? I would say that to see Jesus as a resurrected, you are a believer. I can't think of any experience in the, in the Gospels where someone saw Jesus and did not come to believe. Yeah, somewhere in here he says, the things I do are going to make you. Uh -huh. It's better if you believe, but if you don't. Well, he says that up here in, in right, 14, right in where you believe because of my words, but if you do not believe because of my word, then believe because of my deeds, my acts, uh -huh. my works. And, and he is, he's giving them both bases upon right. which to exercise their faith. The resurrection is, a faith, is faith sight, and it produces faith sight. It's almost like the chicken and the egg. Mm -hmm. You believe, you see, you see, you believe. Yeah. Thomas becomes see, the one. See, we make believers of us. Thomas comes <laughs> yeah. doubting, sees, yeah. believes. Others see, and because they believe, they see. You get this distinction there? And that's kind of what he's saying here. And it's not just for the resurrection up to the ascension. It continues. Yeah, everything. And the church would say, and John's church in the 90s would say, it's continuing even then. Put it into the context of the 90s AD. This Jesus, the world doesn't see Jesus in your midst. But you see Jesus in your midst. This is how. This is why. Because you love him. Because you obey his word. Because you obey his commandment. Because you obey his commandment, he is with you. He is within you. The Father is within you. Love is within you. Because you love me, I love you. The Father loves you. And then the world has a choice. Hmm? A free choice to either believe what they see or to still deny. Yeah, to believe to believe what they hear from the church, from the believers, and then they become one of them. Or to say no, in which case they never see. That idea is, is, is present here. It's not so much Jesus going away and then coming back to take us, but rather Jesus going away and staying, going away and immediately being here still. I mean, that, we talk about the return of Jesus, but isn't Jesus already here? Yeah. We talk about the coming kingdom of God, but isn't the kingdom of God already a foretaste within the church? Yeah. So it's that now and not yet concept, which is present within the synoptic gospels. It's present in John's gospel. It was present in Paul's writings. This idea that, that the kingdom is both here and still to come, that Jesus is going to return and yet already here in our midst.
and the place he's preparing is really this place with the advocate and uh, Thank you. Yes. God, I'm such a stooge tonight. Huh? <laughs> You're perfect in nice that sense. Excellent job. Yes. The place to be prepared is the status or this condition of existence within which God is present within us and then we see Jesus in our midst, in our presence. And we do the works of Jesus, just as Jesus speaks these words and they are the Father's words that he is speaking and owning and participating in. And the works that Jesus does are the works of the Father working through him with which Jesus is cooperating and participating in. So also, when we speak and when we act, we are speaking the words of Jesus, which are the words of the Father. We are doing the acts of Jesus, which are the acts of the Father. So we become the extension. Hence that idea that I've talked about many times in my sermons, we become the hands and the feet and the eyes and the ears and lips of Jesus. Could you get the stooge to restate that one <laughs> sentence again? Because now I lost <laughs> Sorry. The place, the place that he's going to is, is just around the corner. And, and here and it's this place that has the advocate uh, and the believers who, who see him and all. And so that, that's, at least in this, this approach, that's what he's, while it appears to be talking about, you know, um, I'm leaving, the advocate is coming, and then I'm coming back. If you read it very carefully, that isn't quite what it no. says. There's room for that, yeah. but it's more it's than that. In other words, the place where he's going, if you look at my Bible, you see in chapter 14 on this page, he talks about he's going to go away to prepare a place. The place he's preparing is right over here <laughs> on the next page. Gotcha. <laughs> not very far that, that place that he's preparing is not some, some place up in heaven that's waiting for us to go to in the future. It's right here right now in our midst. Or to put it into their context then, Jesus talking before the death and resurrection is talking about the church after the death and resurrection. In John's day, in 98 I think the clue is you know the way. <laughs> it's not a mystery to you if you just open your eyes. And in every question they ask, Jesus answers it by repeating what he's already said. If not here, then elsewhere in the preceding chapter or two. Can't help but be, think of that one. And I'll try to find it. I can't remember. Um, in the beginning was the word. John chapter one. Yeah. Okay. And if you go back to that, you know the way because the beginning was the word, and the word yes. is God. <laughs> the word becomes flesh and dwells among us. That way from God to us. Now we have the way from us to God established. That whole idea is very much a part of this. Chapter 15 is the sister chapter to chapter 6. And we will see that. In chapter 6, Jesus is the bread of life. In chapter 15, Jesus is the vine, which is a direct correlation to wine. When, when we say the words of institution and communion are not present in John, they aren't literally. But you have Jesus is the bread of life in John chapter 6, and you have Jesus is the vine in John chapter 15. And we will do a cross comparison next time, next time on that and look at the what's called the chain. We've just seen the web of love in chapter 14. 
in chapter 15, we'll see the chain of love. Oh, yeah. All right. Gotcha. So, any questions? This seems like there's some redundancy in here in that we have the Holy, we always talk about God being with us, and Christ being with us, and the Holy Spirit. And you wonder when he says, I'm going to send you an advocate, if I'm coming back, why do I? Why do you need an advocate? Why do we need an advocate? Well, you need an advocate for two reasons. One, while he's gone, the advocate serves as the mediator for him to us and us to him. And also, you need that mediator specifically in order to help you along the way. Yeah. See, he says that he'll be with us forever. Yeah. 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 So you don't really. He's not really gone. Yeah. No, That's, I mean the mediator. Oh, the mediator? Yes. Oh, yeah. Both are with you. Both and, are with and because you. the mediator is with us together, Jesus doesn't leave us So it's good we have the concept of the Trinity. <laughs> You got the Trinity right in here. Yeah, that's what I mean. But it's good. Chapter fourteen we contains can, the Trinity. It has the Father, the Son, and all the three Spirit. are with us in the form of the Trinity. Yeah, I think, I think Jesus is the there in this place that He's going to prepare. Well, the, yeah, the there, way you just yes. said that though, it sounds like the Advocate uh-huh. is a Jesus for Jesus. The way Jesus is, the well, he way calls for it, God. He calls the Paraclete another Advocate. Did you notice that in verse yeah. 16? Another. Yeah. Jesus is the first paraclete. <laughs> he is our advocate before the Father. The paraclete, the Holy Spirit, the another advocate, is in a sense our intercessor, our intermer- intermediary with Jesus, who communicates to us Jesus' presence, Jesus' grace, Jesus' life. The way Jesus communicates it's to the, us about God. Uh, the Father. The Father. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. All three of them are in us, too. It's getting crowded. Yeah, it is getting crowded. <laughs> <Thank you>. <laughs> <laughs> Very well put. And Trinity thinking really only goes so far. I'm not that. I just got the God in me, all three persons of the Trinity. <laughs> but think about it. We've got the Father in us, we've got Jesus in us, and we have the Holy Spirit in us. you got the Trinity in chapter 14 of John's Gospel. Yeah, you do. In the 90s AD, long <laughs> before... The Nicene Creed was ever written mm-hmm. oh, yeah. long before the Trinitarian debates. Now, is it formed and is it called the Trinity? No. But just as you find them Spirit. in Matthew's Gospel, just as you find it in Paul's writing in the 50s AD, this concept, this idea that the, there's there's God the Father, there's Jesus Christ who's also God, and, and there's this Holy Spirit who's also God is, is there. And playing clearly, and has been given this metaphysical role in chapter fourteen. Fourteen is really one of the Trinitarian chapters of the Bible. Yeah. Well, now it talks about Jesus and God being together, but it doesn't really talk about the Holy Spirit being in them. It, yeah, it does. does it? Yeah, well, it does. Verse uh, seventeen: You know him because he abides with you, and he will be in you. Okay, but that's that's still separate from God and Jesus. Jesus is going to leave, but He talks about God yeah, and, God. and and the Father being, or Jesus and the Father being together. I am yeah. Him and He I am in Him and He is. And in He's him. talking about the Holy Spirit being in you. And then me. He says that the that the Father will be in you, and I will be in yeah. you. 
and the Holy Spirit will be in you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But does he say ever say the Holy Spirit will be in the Father or the Holy Spirit will no. be in the No, the Holy Spirit is that which enables the Father and the Son's presence. So in. we just have two legs of the Trinity combined here. The third one's present, but not necessarily oh. combined. Okay. I think, I think I'm understanding why, suddenly why that's so. Because in the Old Testament, there was a covenant... But it was almost, he mentions orphans, and that, that was kind of bothering me until just when you mm -hmm. said that. Mm -hmm. They were orphaned, and at this moment, Jesus is preparing the way with the Holy Spirit not mm -hmm. to be orphaned. Right. And this is the new, he is preparing the new covenant, yeah. and the Holy Spirit is a part of that new covenant. That new Let's use a slightly different word. You're, you're absolutely right. Let's say relationship. That's what you mean by covenant. Yes, yeah. I do. Or, or, or you're, you're meaning we have a new relationship or a new relationship of love. Uh, Augustine said that, that in his Trinitarian discussions, he said that the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit are bound together by love. Mm -hmm. yeah, where the Holy Spirit is love, binding the Father and the Son together and binding us to the Father and the Son. So the Holy Spirit, the paraclete, becomes the one who brings the Father and the Son into us and us into them, binding us together in love. Now, you're right. You have two fully, essentially fully formed legs of the Trinity. The third leg is there, not explicated. The function is stated, but not the identity. No. Not the identity. And, and in truth, soteriology, uh, the, the discussion of salvation and the role of the Holy Spirit within it, with, with, within the concept of the Trinity's function within salvation and, and the, the Holy Spirit's function within that, you have this sort of vagueness and it's been there and it's always been there and it will continue to be there. And it's, it's, you can see it in a very simple way. We have a name for the Father. It's called Father. We have a name for the Son. It's called Jesus. We don't have a name for the Holy Spirit unless you use this paraclete. But that's a function, advocate. Yeah. It's a function, helper. It's not a name so much as Father becomes it, even though it's a descriptive, you know, one can father someone, it's a descriptive word, but it's a title or a name. Son, Jesus, is a title. It's also a name. But Holy Spirit isn't yeah. so much. Well, who's this other Holy Spirit is the slipperiest one of the Trinity to get your hands around. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> huh? If he says it's another, and this translates... The other one would counselor. be Jesus. Now, what not? What's your well, translation? Well, you know, it says count another counselor another to counselor. be with you forever. Yes. This is Jesus talking. Yes. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to well, be with but you forever. The other one, the is first Jesus. one, is Jesus. I am the advocate now. The paraclete's going to come to be the other, the next one, advocate. He's going to be a Jesus for Jesus. The paraclete's going to be another Jesus for It's going to be Jesus. the mediator between us and Jesus. The Which one like, who, and when I say mediator, don't think that as a barrier. Because that's how some people understand it. Mm -hmm. It's the interface. Yeah. between. The go-between, the interface, the conduit, the the connection to just as Jesus is our is just as Jesus is our connection to the Father, so also the Holy Spirit is our connection to Jesus. Thank you. 
It looks like Jesus is personification of love, and he is personifying, he's talking about another counselor. He's not talking about a function. I'm sending you another. He's talking, he's, about, a, he's talking he's, about. He's personifying. He's love. talking about a person of the Holy Trinity, although that's, he doesn't use that language. That's right. <laughs> it's got to be because at, it's another one. You see. look at what he says down here in verse uh, twenty. On that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. They who have my commandments and keep them are those who love me, and those who love me will be loved by my Father. And I will love them and reveal myself to them. So love is the medium and function where all of this happens. And you have to have a relationship with love. Mm -hmm. Because if you don't have a relationship with love, you cannot combine Mm -hmm. yourself. And the word here, love, is agape in all cases. It's the high divine form of love. Because some people have a relationship, but it's a relationship with money. If you can have a relationship with money, you can have a relationship with love. You can, it's also, there's fear. So many Christians try to, so many Christian preachers try to scare people into the, into the church by preaching hellfire and damnation. And my opinion and my experience has been that that kind of quote-unquote faith never lasts, especially not during the difficult times. It's, it's the message of love that lasts and grow stronger in the difficult times. And that's what we see being articulated here. It seems to me that the advocate, though, is has a function of kind of putting off the final place. You know, it's not quite, Jesus ain't quite all there, you know. He's filling the gap. He's filling a gap. Yeah. He's kind of biding the time. <laughs> He's helping you through the inter- interregnum until then. It's part of the. It's that which makes it possible for us to go through the now and the not yet, to there get to go. the not yet through the now, and he also makes the not yet now. You get the idea. Mm-hmm. He makes the not yet of the kingdom right of God, now. which not is not yet here now today, because but he makes Jesus quite, present. Not quite now. It's close. But pretty close. We have a foretaste of it. We have an experience of it. We can see it. The world can't see him. If it were now, the world would see him. But we can see him. So it is, in a sense, now for us. We can experience it now. Experience it now. That's a good way of putting that. We can experience certainly the benefits of it now. If you have the love, you can experience it. That's what he says. If you keep Precisely. his commandment and love, <laughs> then that's, that's it. Then you got it now. And that is that qualifier that I was talking about. When you talk about in my name if it's not done with love out of love for love by love empowered by love inspired by love it certainly is not in Jesus' name listening to a Bible study by Dr. Gregory Neal, Senior Pastor of St. Stephen United Methodist Church and Rector of Grace Incarnate Ministries. Copyright 2011 by Dr. Gregory S. Neal. All rights reserved. For more information or to listen to other seminars, Bible studies, or sermons by Dr. Gregory Neal, 
visit us on the web at www.revneal.org. That's www.revneal.org. You are also invited to visit us in person at St. Stephen United Methodist Church, 2520 Oates Drive, Mesquite, Texas, 75150. This program was produced by Dr. Greg Neal.